Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And today's topic we're going to be talking about is... Um, um, trees. 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 I will admit trees. it. I will admit it. I want everybody, most especially preppers, to plant a bunch of food-producing trees. Fruit trees, not trees. We are Johnny Appleseed, in, except for the modern version, not a complete and tired nut. Too. <laughs> there was that. but Yeah. Did you know you could still get cuttings off of one of Johnny Appleseed's actual trees? I did. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Because I've been where you've been, and we saw. <laughs> uh, Johnny Appleseed. He, it's an interesting story. Uh, we're not going to get into it here, necessarily, because it's just kind of not really anything to do with prepping. But if you want to look up uh, Johnny Appleseed and just read the story, it's not what probably what you think it is. So give that a try. But we're going to talk about, we're going to be our little own Johnny Appleseeds here, you and me. Because once you plant the fruit and nut trees and get them started they provide an ongoing local food resource for a number of years sometimes a large number of years organic and they don't require much care they also provide shade and cool the area and they provide excellent wildlife habitat so they the do. birds can come and sit on the apple trees so I can take pictures of them. I take lots and lots and lots of pictures of birds sitting on one of our apple trees. In fact, when she writes the story, I'll probably post about 15 or 20 of my bird pictures just because, why not? <laughs> because you can. <laughs> because I can. I own the damn place, you know? <laughs> and he's certainly got some of our birds in our apple trees. But also, if I absolutely needed to shoot a deer in the spring, I would take the fences off a couple of my apple trees out at the place while they were in flower and sit out there at night with a good view of them, and I almost guarantee you I could get myself a deer the first night. Okay, just keeping in mind that we're talking about in a situation without rule of law where all things go. Yeah. I'm, we do not deer hunt at night on baited... <laughs> On baited ground. No. Although, no. <laughs> growing a tree is not technically baiting. So it would be, in season, it would be legal to hunt that no, way. No, it would not. You cannot hunt deers at night. I, it well, is illegal okay, I, to hunt deer at night. Wait till the... They may be coming through at dawn. Or dusk. I'm sure that you would have as plenty of an opportunity yeah. at the... The pinkest of dawn. Well, actually, there is a legal limit that you have to stick to. I don't know what it is in Missouri. I don't know if it's uh, exactly what it is. But, you know, you hear you hear a lot of guns going off when it's pretty darn dark <laughs> the first day of deer season. Yeah, but if you've ever been out, some of you have probably never been out away from city lights at all. But if it's a night with a decent amount of moon and you are away from city lights and you haven't had your artificial light sources turned on, you would be shocked at how bright it actually is some of those nights. Some nights even by starlight. Okay, now I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah, it shocks me how many people have never seen the stars. Not really. Uh, if you want to, come visit me. I'll take you out to where this, you can see the stars, okay? We, we can actually see the Milky Way from our front yard in the middle of town. It's less than it used to be. There's more light pollution now than there was 20 years ago. In fact, I built an observatory in town 
but I, it's unusable now because there's just too much light pollution. It makes a kicking shed, though. <laughs> it's a great shed. We use the yep. heck out of it for a shed. Good solid. Well, weather sealed. Yeah. But anyway, I've been on. planting trees for years now. I'm not a master orchardist or anything like that. But I have been planting trees and putting in additional trees basically every year, about five years now, both here um, in town and at the place. I've got a selection of climate-appropriate trees. And even what I wanted to do today is kind of talk to you about most of the work of the trees comes in the spring. So I've started some of it, and I'm planning the rest of it. And I thought it would be good to share with people what it actually takes to get these trees going and keep these trees going and what you get out of them in return. I'm guessing we can use those pictures I took of you pruning the trees the other day? Yes. I started pruning pruning the trees because you prune the trees late winter before they really start to wake up for the spring. And she was nice enough to prune off that one branch that seemed to get in the way of my (laughs) bird pictures. There was one little tiny branch that just had to go because it was... Busted my groove picture-wise. And he had pointed out which tree, which branch it was, so that when I did my pruning, it would go. <laughs> well, there's this one branch that absolutely is the spot for the downy woodpeckers. They always fly to that spot, sit there, check it out, make sure there's nothing around, and then they go hit the feeder. But I knew which one that was because it had right. poop on it. So this is giving me a reason to post a picture of a downy woodpecker. <laughs> <laughs> He's shameless. I like the downy woodpeckers. They're maybe my favorite. But uh, you prune once a year. And it terrified me when I first had to start pruning trees because lopping off a whole bunch of parts of what seems to be a perfectly good tree just seemed wrong somehow. Yeah, and you really are. You're kind of like, a lot of these are just like, okay, these are about equal. Which 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 dies? Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're about equal. Like, yeah, they could go with you. You're way. looking at all of them, and they've all got little bitty buds starting because they develop slowly through the winter. Yeah. And you know yeah. you're you're taking off some things that wanted to grow in the spring, and I found it kind of hard. But I had uh, read up on the subject online first and figured out what I was supposed to do and been convinced it's actually a good idea because, seriously, even my little trees, which are not that old, some of them produce a really enormous weight of fruit in during the year and you don't want them breaking their own branches and you don't want them getting diseases because all the branches are stifling airflow through the tree enough that you get molds and stuff growing on the inside you want them more open than that so you you do have to prune them for best success uh, but you only have to prune them once a year. And it's not a lot. Of, the actual work part of it is not a lot of work. I've pruned trees before. Yeah. It's just, it takes a few minutes. But you do have to do it. Yeah. Planting is a lot of work, but it's only done once. It would be less work if our soil was better. It would be less work if we had a more uh, mechanized way of doing it instead of two hands and two feet. If we were planting lots of trees... We would have a a drill attached to the back of a little tractor. And we may do that out at the place to plant some species that I wish we had more of, native species that are good uh, wildlife food producers. I've been uh, cutting down some of the less desirable species to kind of clear out our woods a little bit. But anyway, that's a a different topic. Uh, You do have to research which trees you want, make sure you got pollinators for them. I've actually got some posts on that up on 3BY already, 
so we'll link those in. Um, and putting the tree in's work. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not work, but that's you. You do that, and once a year, I come through and prune them all. And I'm going to run through and put fertilizer stakes in all of them in the spring and probably again in the fall. I tried without it, but I wasn't getting a lot of fruiting from the trees at the place where the soil is pitifully bad. So I'm going to start putting in some fruit stakes and try and up the production on those guys. Some of the trees were producing and some were just kind of hanging in there. To be fair, the soil isn't necessarily pitifully bad for everything. No. Having said that, fruit trees like light and sandy soil, and it is, our soil is anything but light or sandy. It's or nutrient very rich. clayish. It's very clay. Very clay. And there's some minerals in the clay, and there's some minerals that aren't in the clay. They have trouble with nitrogen in the clay. So uh, partially, I often plant peas right under their drip line. So they can climb up the fence and self-fertilize. That's part of the project. And then she eats the peas. To get and I eat them. the peas. Yeah. And the peas I don't get, the wildlife gets. So it's, it's a wildlife feeding too. But basically, to fertilize them, you tap in some fruit stakes a couple of times a year. And that's what I'm going to do here. I'm just getting set to buy a hundred steak, 160 stakes for $100 or something like that. So... Mm, how are you going to cook them? <laughs> You can grill f fruit on a grill, but these I'm just going to pound into the ground. This is about the time of year you're supposed to be putting them in, but I believe I'll wait because it has been a freakishly cold year and the ground is frozen solid and you're not pounding anything into it right at the moment. It's March and we're going to be down to no degrees tomorrow. That's sad here, but... That's, I tell you what, the insects are going like... Ah. Yeah. The insects really, are, hopefully the bees are surviving. That's my biggest concern, is that the bees stay warm. Because we need the bees. Yeah, we need the bees. We need bees, 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 bees. Note and fruit to, trees are good for bees. Note bees love to our fruit all. Trees. Note to all. If you see a bunch of bees swarming Don't freak out and kill them. Don't kill them. They're just, they're just moving on. They're just Relocating. They'll sit there maybe overnight in a big pile of, of heaving bees, and if you don't like insects, keep away from them yeah, because the, they'll creep you out. They won't They won't hurt you at all. They'll leave you alone. All they're doing, they're protecting their queen. They're swarming over her, and their body heat is keeping her warm, and they're going to find a new spot for her. It's a hive splitting or a hive whose old hive has a problem and they're leaving it. Right. So if you see one of those, if you, if it's in a situation where you have to do something about it, call a beekeeper they will be glad to come and collect the hive yeah they will be they'll come and capture the queen they'll come and capture it the queen and, and all then the, the hive will go, stuff with will go with her and they'll check them to make sure they're not like africanizing or anything like that and uh, if they're good honeybees they'll find a home and if they're bad honeybees well they'll find a home too <laughs> yeah and if they're not honeybees at all they'll just find some place where they're likely to pick up a good home and Turn them loose there, because I've never met a beekeeper who wouldn't be nice to a bee, even if it didn't make him honey. Right now, hornets are just feel free. They're jerks. just jerks. Wasps <laughs> just jerks. Just jerks. Feel free. <laughs> but bees never kill. The reason I say that is because you know we're going to start seeing bee swarms here in the next month or so. 
Just leave them yeah. alone and let them go. Honestly, a lot of species of wasps are very valuable because they parasitize caterpillars in the most disgusting way possible. But, but they do a, parasitize caterpillars. But the but kinds that, that uh, hang out on porches and things and no. get into human habitations, they are just jerks. And the ones you're going to get rid of, the world can do without. Let's put it that way. Right. But the world cannot do without any bees. We need all the bees, we, the honeybees we can get. So don't mess and with all the, the little bees. other little colonizer or pollinizer bees. A lot of the pollinizing is actually done by other species, native species. So it's nice not to dump a bunch of pesticides in your soil because a lot of those guys have individual burrows in the ground. It's where they pop up from, and you never know where they're coming from. So fertilize once or twice a year. You go around your trees. You pound in some fertilizer stakes. Watering. Yeah, I water my trees because they're young, but there's a whole bunch of trees around our town that never get watered. They're old established trees, and they do just fine. In dry years, they make a smaller crop. In wet years, they make a better crop. But once they're good and established, it seems to me that you don't need to water them because I see a whole bunch of them producing faithfully with no care. The old ones also don't get pruned, and they have more breakage and stuff, but... It's less important when they're older than when they're younger. So, I, I mulch them once a year, and mostly that's because I don't want to mess with having to trim around them all the time. And in the fall, I go around and put little loose wraps around the bases, because I know at the place we have a lot of uh, rodents and rabbits, that would nibble the bark on trees when they get really hungry, and I don't want them nibbling these. So I, I put the little shields on, which, you know, it's a cheap roll of light wrap, and you wrap it loosely around so the tree can grow some. It takes me an hour to go all around the place and do all the now many trees I have planted at the place. Every now and then somebody dies and i got to replace it, because sometimes young trees do die. It's a thing. Um, disease problems, I've only had a little bit of disease problems, and that I'd, I'd had two problems, and once I went and did a mid-year pruning, and it took care of it, and the other time the tree died, so. Yeah, it just up and died. Just boom. Yeah, it had this massive fruit load on it at the time it died, a whole lot for a tree that young. But in retrospect, when... Trees are about to expire because they're sick. They often do this thing where they will expend all their remaining energy making one big fruit crop or nut crop as big as they possibly can. Uh, probably an adaptation to spread some genes before they die, frankly. But it didn't make it. The apples withered before they were able to ripen. And I'm going to put a different tree in that spot this year. So it's not... The, the setup work is the vast majority of the work you're ever going to have to put in on the tree. And we've gotten a lot of organic, free fruit off those trees already, and they're still babies. And fruit, it preserves well. Some of it doesn't need refrigeration at all. A lot of it uh, dehydrates well. If you like to can, you can certainly can a bunch of it too. So it's a good storage food even when you don't have uh, access to modern materials. And there's there's a couple other things to keep in mind too. Fur trees are pretty. They're very they're a very attractive tree. 
Yes. And, you know, if, if, if that is a big concern of yours, well, just be sure that you buy a uh, the type of tree that produces a really pretty apple or really, you know what I'm saying, a really pretty fruit. Yeah. You can Cherry you can grow them and, for looks, and they'll still you're, they'll still be eatable. And apple trees are ornamental as well. Right now, what neighbors complain about when people have fruit trees isn't the fruit trees. It's when you let dropping the fruit drop and let them rot on the ground that they don't like. You should check if you are in an H, um, homeowners. What are they? What are they called? Uh, HMA, homeowners homeowners association. association. If you're HMA. in one of those, first of all. My sympathies. Yeah. Not my, I mean, there's only so much sympathy I can give because you entered that, you know, that's your own bust. But anyway. You signed that dance card. Yeah, you signed you, you signed up for that dance. But if you're in a, a, a homeowners association, check your rules. Because you, every one of those people have, or every one of those organizations have some of those people in it. Uh, check your rules to see what you can do. Lots of times they don't actually allow fruit trees in front yards, but they do allow them in backyards. You know, if you do the what's called the espalier method with them, they're treated as ornamentals in many cases. That's where you take the tree and you prune it along a trellis and you tie the remaining limbs to a trellis. So you've got this trellis little ornamental tree that just happens to have fruit all over it. Right. You can it's also do- good for very small spaces. You can do a lot with planting ornamental edibles. And I think, you know, we're going to talk more about that in the future. Yeah. We don't really have any of that because we don't really care what our yard looks like. Now, that's not really true. Yes, we do. I've been complimented on my flowers out there when it's really the herb garden. Right. (laughs) That's not really true. We do actually, I mean, we keep the place picked up. I mean, it looks like every other house in town. Because you don't want to stand out, you know? And we keep the ugly stuff back around back, like the, I mean, the compost bin is not an attractive thing. But it's not horrid. And it doesn't smell. And it doesn't smell. So, anyway, fruit trees. I hope you found this uh, interesting, and thank you for listening. Motivating. Go plant some.